Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. So today we have a, well, I would call it a unique topic. And it's a topic that I think is very important, but not a lot of people are talking about it. The topic for today's episode is psychological safety. And the big question that we're going to answer today is how does psychological safety drive innovation at work? I mean, are people afraid to take risks? Are people afraid to make mistakes in your organization? If so, you're going to learn some powerful, powerful information on how to improve psychological safety at work. Strap in, hang on, enjoy the ride. So when Alan Mulally took over as CEO of Ford in 2006, the company was in dire straits. It had lost over $12 billion, that's with a B, in the previous two years, and employee morale was at an all-time low. One of the biggest challenges facing Mulally was the lack of psychological safety in the workplace. At the time, Ford had a culture where employees were, well, they were afraid to speak up or share their ideas. Does this sound familiar? There was a war, well, there was a culture of fear, and employees feared being blamed or punished for mistakes. This lack of psychological safety significantly impacted the company's ability to innovate and solve problems. Mullally recognized that he needed to create a culture of openness and transparency to turn things around at Ford, and it was not going to be easy. It was going to be a huge task for him. So how did he do it? Well, he started by holding weekly meetings known as the Business Plan Review. He called them the BPR meeting. And he invited executives from all departments to come together and discuss their progress. And during these meetings, Mullally engaged everyone to share their ideas and opinions, no matter unconventional, no matter how unconventional they might seem. So he did something else too. He introduced the one forward strategy to promote psychological safety even more. And he emphasized teamwork and collaboration and sharing a sense of purpose. He created a set of values that emphasized honesty, transparency, and the respect for all employees. He also introduced a program called the Ford Way, which aimed to standardize processes and procedures across the company, making it easier for employees to understand their roles and responsibilities. And as a result of Mullally's efforts, Ford's culture began to shift. And slowly, employees started to feel more comfortable sharing their ideas and feedback. And at one point, innovation began to flourish. The company launched several new products, including the Ford Fusion and the F-150 pickup in its newest model. And Ford's financial performance also improved with the company returning to profitability in 2009 and posting record profits in subsequent months. So how did he do this? Well, overall, 
He focused on creating a culture of psychological safety, and that was instrumental in the company's turnaround. So if you work for an organization right now where it doesn't feel psychologically safe, this episode is going to give you some help. It'll give you some insights. And he did this, Mullally did this by promoting openness, transparency, collaboration, and he wanted his workforce to be more engaged and better equipped to tackle the company's challenges. And today, Ford remains committed to fostering a culture of psychological safety and prioritizes getting employees involved, getting them engaged, and they see this as a key driver of success in the organization. So let's dig into psychological safety a bit more. The term refers to the belief that employees can take interpersonal risks without fear of negative consequences to their job security, status, or self-worth. Now, let me tell you something. Fear is the ultimate paralytic. Fear paralyzes. If people are afraid, if they don't have psychological safety, they will do nothing. And it is essential to a healthy and productive work environment that fosters creativity, collaboration, and yes, the powerful I word, innovation. When employees feel safe to express their ideas, voice their concerns, and take risks without fearing retribution, they are more likely to contribute to the organization's success. I call that uh, discretionary effort. When people give you more than they're required to, you have to create an environment where people feel safe. One of the critical benefits of psychological safety is increased employee engagement. When employees feel safe to speak up and contribute their ideas, they are more likely to be engaged in their work. Engagement leads to increased motivation, job satisfaction, and yes, productivity. On the other hand, when employees do not feel psychologically safe, they are less likely to participate in discussions, share their opinions, or provide feedback. It's very likely that someone listening to this podcast feels exactly the way I'm describing. And they feel this lack of safety that can lead to a lack of engagement, decreased morale, and higher turnover rates. Yes, low psychological safety equals higher turnover. Another benefit of psychological safety is improved communication. You know, when I visit with employee, uh, with leaders of companies and employees and I ask them, I said, what's the biggest challenge facing the organization right now? The most common answer by far is communication. The second most common answer is accountability or a lack of accountability. And the third most common answer is a lack of trust. All of these are derivatives of poor psychological safety. Because when an employee feels safe communicating with others, they are more likely to provide honest feedback. They are more likely to ask for help. And they're more likely to share their concerns. This open and honest communication can improve teamwork. Yes, we work better together. Problem solving. Yes, we solve more problems. And decision making. Yes, we make better decisions. It can also help prevent misunderstandings and conflicts from arising. 
That's right. It's it's a proactive method of eliminating rework due to misunderstandings and conflict from occurring in the organization. Psychological safety is also crucial for innovation. Employees who feel safe taking risks and making mistakes are more likely to experiment with new ideas and approaches. And this feeling can lead to the development of new products, new services, and processes that can help the organization stay competitive. Get that. To be more competitive, we need more psychological safety in the workplace. And employees who feel valued for their contributions are more likely to go above and beyond. That's the discretionary effort I was referring to earlier. So there are several ways that employers can promote and improve psychological safety in the workplace. Here are some strategies that can be effective. Now, I want you to pause the podcast, take notes. I want you to get something from this episode that you can actually go back and use in your own workplace. So here's number one. I want you to encourage open communication. Someone has to go first. Someone has to create an opportunity for people to speak up. Employers can encourage open communication by allowing employees to express their ideas, opinions, and concerns. And we do this through regular meetings. Now, I've had people tell me, John, I hate meetings. And I said, you know what? I don't think most people hate meetings. I think most people hate bad meetings. And there is a huge deficit of managers and supervisors who cannot run effective meetings. But regular meetings, town hall sessions, suggestion strategy meetings, or even anonymous feedback channels can all help improve communication. Communication is number one. Number two, build trust. Employers can build trust by being transparent, honest, and accountable themselves. And they can do this by modeling the behavior and admitting mistakes. Brene Brown wrote a great book called Dare to Lead. and She said one of the ways that we can dare to lead greatly is to be vulnerable as leaders. Be open to feedback and follow through on your commitments to others. That's right. Vulnerability is a precipitant of trust. Vulnerability comes before trust. In other words, we think that if we trust people, we'll be vulnerable, but that's not the way it works. In order for people to trust us, we have to show vulnerability and allow them to feel vulnerable. Then trust is formed. Number three, foster a culture of respect. Employers can foster a culture of care by ensuring that all employees feel valued and appreciated. Creating policies and practices that promote fairness and respect is an effective strategy. I call it the no jerks policy. You should say overtly, put it on a poster, put it in your employee handbook, no jerks allowed, no toxic jerks allowed here. I think that would be a great thing for you to do. Number four, empower employees. Employers can empower employees by giving them autonomy. I call it letting go of the bicycle seat. Let them fail. Let them make small failures that they learn from. Provide them with the resources and support when they do fail and encourage them to make mistakes, honest mistakes. 
People ask me, what's the difference between an honest mistake and a mistake? If someone makes a mistake trying to do the right thing, that's an honest mistake, and we should value those mistakes. We should encourage those mistakes because this activity will help foster a sense of ownership and responsibility, and it will lead to greater engagement and innovation. Number five, provide training. Provide training. Employers can provide training on topics such as how to communicate better, how to resolve conflict, and a big one, how to understand emotional intelligence. Doing so, you help employees develop the skills and confidence they need to navigate difficult conversations and build stronger relationships with their colleagues. You would be surprised how many executives I work with who are very low on emotional intelligence. I call it EQ. They are low EQ people. Number six, address bullying and harassment. Employers can address bullying and harassment by creating a zero tolerance policy and providing employees with a safe and confidential way to report incidents to create a culture where all employees feel safe and supported. You know, I I love a challenging boss. I love a boss who gets more out of people than they thought they had themselves. But you don't have to be a jerk and you don't have to be a bully to motivate and inspire people. And always remember this, there is a difference between fear and respect. Fear is temporary. Fear is something that people will overcome eventually. You may not respect that bully on the playground, You may fear them, but you may not and probably don't respect them. And if it happens long enough, most people will look for a way to deal with the bullying behavior. People will have retribution in the end. Number seven, I want you to recognize and reward positive behavior. Look for the positive So many managers have been poorly trained to look for the negatives or the exceptions or the problems. And I think that is just flat out bass backwards. It is backwards. Why do we focus on what went wrong and ignore all of the many things that went right? I think it's our job to notice the things that go right. We don't ignore the problems. We don't ignore the things that go wrong. But if we emphasize those, people will not feel psychologically safe. It's like the the boss that complains about one wrong thing and ignored a thousand things that were done right. That is, to me, inconsistent with any form of successful leadership. Employers can recognize and reward positive behavior by celebrating success. Everybody loves a party. Everybody loves celebration. Acknowledge contributions. I see what you did, and I'm proud of what you did, and what you did matters. Provide career growth and developmental opportunities. Develop people. Give them a path forward. Help them understand that this is a great place to work. Recognition will help build a culture where employees feel valued and appreciated for their hard work and contributions. I teach a method on how to measure engagement, and I created a quadrant where you can measure employee uh, appreciation, employee importance, and also how challenged an employee feels. And you can actually plot out where your people are and give yourself a quantitative 
concrete visual of where engagement lies within your organization. So let's summarize. Creating psychological safety in the workplace requires a commitment from both the employers and the employees. It requires both. Both people have to make the commitment to move forward with psychological safety. Now, employers must prioritize and invest in creating a culture that promotes openness, that promotes transparency, that promotes respect, and most of all, that promotes trust. You know, trust is not binary. You have it or you don't. Trust is given and lost in layers. So we can lose people's trust, but we can earn it back in layers, earn it back with activities. We may never get to the original state that we had, but we can get it back. And often it's lost in layers. We do this little thing. We, we don't honor a commitment. We forget to follow up. And slowly trust is degraded to the point that it no longer exists. I tell supervisors and managers, I want you to treat trust like a fragile egg. Because once that eggshell is broken, can you ever really put it back together the same way again? So employees must be willing to engage. We've got to get them to engage. We've got to get them to communicate. We've got to get them to collaborate with their colleagues. And by working together, employers and employees can create a workplace where everyone feels safe, where everyone feels supported. And most of all, everyone feels empowered to do their best work. Now, you've listened to this podcast so far. I want you to do something for me. I want you to go to www.johngrubbs.com. That's J-O-H-N-G-R-U-B-B-S.com. I want you to go there, and midway on my homepage on the right, you can download a free book that talks about a lot of this. And that book is free to you. You can download it as a PDF or you can download it as a Mobi file if you read your books on Kindle. That book is my free gift to you today. And people say, John, why are you giving your book away? The book sells for $20 on Amazon. Why are you giving that book away? I'm giving you that book today because you're giving me the most precious gift one human can give another, and that is your time. In exchange for you giving me that time, I'm willing to give you that book for free. It's my sincere thanks to you and my sincere thanks to all of you around the world who are listening to this podcast. We've got fans on all the major continents. Uh, I want you to know that you can also reach me on my website. If there's a topic or if there's a question that you have regarding an episode or you want me to create a specific episode about a certain topic, I am so happy to listen to that feedback. I'm so happy to answer your questions. Because this podcast is for people who are crazy. This podcast is for people who go a little bit differently, who move against the grain, who do things others are afraid of. This podcast is for crazy people. This podcast is for crazy people because crazy people are the ones that get the most amazing things done in the world. Crazy people go to the moon. Crazy people explore the oceans. Crazy people get things done. 
This podcast is for people crazy enough to win. Until next time.